Hey, good people in podcast land. Welcome to Convene, a conversation series dedicated to connecting the creative community in Toronto. I'm your host, Chris Penrose, and this 16-part series is about the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto. This edition of Convene is supported by Factor Canada. On this episode, I speak with Kevin Omogu, who is the founder of the music management company Note and the label Codon Club. His passion for bringing the talent of Montreal to the world is unmatched. He currently represents Chlorel, Adonis Bosu, and Mems. Our first question to you is, what is your role in the music industry in your city? What is my role in the music industry in the city? Um, I will say that um, the, the, the most perfect way for me to answer that question is to say that my role has evolved uh, within the music industry in Montreal. Mm-hmm. In the sense that um, when I started, I basically started with... Uh, just being a uh, artist promoter because I was working in a club downtown Montreal right after university and uh, also managing and trying to develop a few a few local acts you know so from that to uh, to uh, to working with a more successful acts and uh, having more resounding uh, successes basically building a platform and a community I uh, I will say that now um, the role that I'm trying to have in the city is uh, of someone who builds bridges. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, why? Because um, not everybody has the same uh, level of success that I have been able to uh, to to attain with uh, either um, uh, Shalia or with uh, also uh, my producer back in France with whom we went platinum on a few records. And uh, the main thing that uh, the people in Montreal are lacking is just someone who gives them um, the information. There is a tremendous lack of access to information in Montreal. That's mm. crazy. So, um, so basically, um, what I'm trying to do is to to give back to the community by uh, first of all trying to instill a sense of community in Montreal and um, to share my network to build the bridges that, you know, the new generation of creators needs to, uh, to, uh, to thrive. When you talk about bridges, I wonder if you can share a little bit more about that because it is such a powerful metaphor, but bridging, you know, a bridge is always two banks. It's here to there. Um, what are you bridging from what to what? And it's, I imagine um, it's a, t- I... a number of different types of bridges. Actually, yes, yes. I, uh, there is something that I, that I like to call vertical mentor, vertical mentorship. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the sense that you know uh, we we have a tendency of only um, perceiving you know mentorship as something, um, some some sort of relationship between somebody who is older, more mature, you know, who is going to groom a younger person. You know, but the thing is, my belief is that. Anybody who actually started their career in the music industry in the in the in the, the two thousand is completely lost or has been completely lost um, for the past ten years. Why? Because there was the the huge depression of the format, the format crisis, you know, in the mm-hmm. early two thousand. 
but also because uh, eight years ago uh, the streaming uh, industry started. You know, so um, there is a huge opportunity, and also like the the rise of the social media. So the the kids or the youths or the new generation who started their careers like just ten years ago, they they grew with all those new tech. They grew with the change of social media. They grew with the with the streaming. You know, mm-hmm. so there is a huge opportunity for vertical mentorship. You know of the young generation towards the older generation, you know? Like in terms of transmission, you know, of knowledge mm-hmm. uh, uh, between the, the, the Gen Z, you know, and, uh, and uh, the OGs who are in their late 40s or, or mid 50s, they are completely lost when it comes to streaming. They don't know what, it, what, it, <laughs> what it's about, you know? So one of the bridges that I'm trying to build is basically between those two generations, even more because here in Quebec, um, we don't have uh, as much as a burgeoning, um, um, I would say, music industry compared to to Toronto, you know? Um, There was a shift around like, I would say like 15 to 20 years ago, because like 15 to 20 years ago, the music industry was Quebec, at the global level, it was Quebec, mm. it was the French superstars. But something happened, you know, the same thing that happened in marketing and the same thing that happened in fashion, like all the big players left. And everything is concentrated now in Ontario, you know. So, and that's the other thing that I'm trying to bridge here, you know. Like, I always find it very surprising. You know, that we have that many English-speaking talent, writers, songwriters, top writers here in Montreal. And um, we never see real collaborations between um, between um, uh, those youths in Montreal and, and maybe like new artists in, in Ottawa or maybe new artists in, in Toronto. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm always surprised. And Toronto is only what, like four and a half, five hour drive, you know? So, and, um, and when I look at, uh, at, uh, at all the questions that I'm usually asked by, uh, by new artists or new managers, how do I get those playlists? How do I get uh, uh, XYZ billboard? Uh, how do I get support from, uh, from YouTube, Amazon Music, all that, all that. And I'm realizing that I don't. I actually don't have any secret. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, I actually don't have any secret or, ma- or magic, you know, recipe that I could share to them. The only thing that I tell them is sharing my own experience and my own experience is what three years ago, so February 2018. That's the first time that I set foot in Toronto, mm-hmm. and from that point, every two months. I was going to Toronto for like at least two weeks, building relationships. You know, like the new generation, what they tend to to forget here in Montreal is that uh, the music industry, yes, you have to have talent and it's very much important. But today we have an inflation of talent. 
you know, like <laughs> yeah, the amount of the amount of music that's being produced on a daily basis and the amount of content that's uploaded every minute really is, is more than you could ever listen to. Yeah. So being talented is not as rare as uh, during the generation of uh, our grandparents. Also, access to uh, mass consumption of your music is not as difficult today as it was during the generation of our grandparents. During that right. time, you had to go through a major label if you wanted to be heard. Today, you just have to pay 30 bucks on SoundCloud. Actually, you don't even have to pay. It's free. Yeah, if you don't put too many you know? songs up, you're, you're good. Like it's, you know, so... So um, building bridges, for me, is also about um, making the process of, you know, identifying who are the interesting power players, you know, who are the start, basically like, what is the starter, the starter pack for a new writer that wants to have some sense of direction? Who are the people in Toronto that he needs to, to, to be introduced to? You know, or to uh, to to build, depending, of course, of uh, of uh, what they sound like or what the, what type of music they do. You know, mm-hmm. but that's also what I mean by uh, building bridges. You know, that's 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 making the pie bigger. Yeah, and I, so I hear in that you know bridging, um, you know, being a bridge between generations, being a bridge between you know emerging talent and you know, the industry and then a bridge between cities. And on that note of connecting the cities, how would you describe the current relationship in the music communities of Montreal and Toronto? I would say that, um, I would say it in two, in two parts. Like the first part is saying that, like, I, I, I think there is a community of musicians in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, there is a sense also of belonging, you know. Um, it's cool to claim Toronto, you know. Um, Toronto has a few heroes, and Toronto actually um, um, kind of participates, the ecosystem kind of participates in creating those new heroes, you know. Um, you just have to look at the the Polaris Music Prize, you know, a long list uh, uh, announcement, or even the Junos. Like, everybody where was happy about uh, uh, Toby or Savannah Ray, you know, or, or even um, Claremont Dija. and you know Claremont Dija, like everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when I say everybody, I'm talking about even people who, um, quote unquote, they are competing with, you know. And 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 that's actually a beautiful thing. Because what is an artist without a community that wants them to win and thrive? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, that is something that um, I think uh, uh, we are still lacking a little bit uh, in Montreal. You know? Um, and why? Because we like, most of us like accesses. So that's why there is, there is not a sense of community that is developing as fast in Toronto. So when I say we like access, I mean that um, um, access, for example, to brands. So access to brands, what I've noticed in Montreal is that 
when someone, for example, has a brand endorsement, say with Converse or, or Nike or whatever, they have a tendency of, uh, of, um, of not wanting, you know, to, uh, to share, you know, the, the, the collect of to share who was the, the, the company with, uh, with whom they did, the, they did their business or whatever, you know, which means that, which means that, um, well, me, I studied economics, you know, so I, I have an understanding of a certain mechanism that maybe, you know, um, uh, the, the 19 years old artist don't have. But what I mean by that is what, that when money flows within the market, it's basically good for everybody. Yeah. Well, so it's like that abundance versus scarcity, right? When when you feel like there's abundance, then you know you understand that like someone else winning, somebody else succeeding, someone else achieving their goals is no threat to you. But if you if there's a situation of scarcity, then it's like if that person gets that opportunity, that means you you know in your perception you're not going to be able to get it. Or if you got exactly. that opportunity and they know about it, they may take it from you, you know, which is, um, you know, and I think that's something that is is partially a mindset, but also a reality, right? Like, I, and I think the Toronto industry and hip hop industry in particular did really experience that for quite a long time of there just being a scarcity of opportunity. And, yeah. and that does then breed this sense of like, okay, well, if they got they got on that means that we're not going to be able to and that's the thing like we live in a in a we have the I, 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 my thing is i believe that we are lucky enough to uh, to live in a in an era where uh, the market the market is way bigger you know than uh, than well that's no i i know yeah i'm going to maintain my point you know the music, the, the the market of the music industry is actually way bigger, you know, than uh, than what it used to be during the time of our grandparents. Why? Because now you also have to to uh, to take into consideration, you know, the sync industry that is flourishing thanks to uh, uh, you know all those streaming services, you know, of uh, TV shows or whatever, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, all that, you know, or even locally, also, CBC Gem, right? Yes, you know. But also because of uh, um, what's called uh, the video game industry. The video game mm. industry today is around globally around five times the music the music industry. You know, just in the UK, it's four times bigger than the than the than the music industry. Today. Yeah, we don't talk about the opportunity in video games a lot. You know, it comes up from That's time publishing. to time, but yeah, yeah, That's publishing. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have a you have a, a whole other industry, just like in the movies, in, just like in the movie industry and the, the TV show industry. What makes a good scene? The music. You know, right. like uh, the, the, the emotional transfer of a music, you know, or, or of, an, of a good narrative, <clears throat> does a lot for uh, for a show or for a video game or for a moment. You know. Yeah, so, absolutely. All those things, they did music, they did producers, they did songwriters, they did top liners. And you see it in some you... of the biggest games like Roblox or Fortnite or those kind of games, like music yes. is, is huge in those and the amount of people that are on that is Absolutely. Massive. 
Um, you know, and you see it even like 2K, you know, the um, NBA 2K. Yes. The, the yeah. relationship of the music industry to that game in particular is because of the culture of basketball is huge. Um, but yes. I just wanted to isolate a certain part of the conversation, which is, you know, we've, we've covered a few interesting things, but, and I know the connection between Montreal and Toronto, there is one. It's got a lot of potential to grow and evolve, but how would, from your vantage point, would you describe what the state of that connection is right now, today? I I will say that it still needs to be watered, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, I feel like um, uh, Montrealers are starting to, uh, to um, yeah, I would say that they are really starting to uh, to understand that um, it is it just it just is what it is, you know. It's not that you know uh, the English uh, market is better or whatever. It's just that if you want to be able to properly promote ahead of time your project or whatever uh, with the DSPs, you have at a certain point of your development to make the move of coming and meeting with them physically. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's true that with the pandemic, you know, um, it became quite challenging to do that, you know. But uh, as things open up, I feel like people are going to, uh, to, to start doing that more and more. There's another aspect also, you know, um, 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 artists in, in both English and French are starting to collaborate with each other. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised to uh, to notice that song between uh, Lil Beretta and uh, uh, that French uh, street uh, rap band from Montreal called uh, 514. Mm. And the song is actually really good. Yeah. Yeah? So um, I, I feel like, you know, we are going to start noticing more and more of that type of collaborations. There is also, you know, the collaborations between producers, and uh, um, uh, uh, songwriters from Montreal. I also feel like the SOCAN is also doing a good job. Mm. You know, like... Uh, <clears throat> kind of fostering that connection. Yes, you know, because they understand what? They understand that they have an opportunity with their signees, you know, to create more and more, you know, opportunities to, 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 to have competing songs that can be exploited at the global level, because that is the opportunity and the strength that uh, the Canadian market actually has. Mm-hmm. You know, like the fact that we can actually, as Canadian, you know, compete on on both the English and the French-speaking markets. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that not just the language, but also, you know, there's a this is a different energy and you know type creativity and contrast between the cities and it's when those sounds come together as well i think there's a there's another layer of what what becomes possible um yeah but but, yeah, but so go ahead but you know also the fact that you know um i feel like toronto artists are also noticing that the the montreal public you know the mm. fans are actually eager you know, to consume more and more of uh, of, uh, of Toronto artists, you know? Like, uh, um, as, for example, you know, Deja, I feel like uh, they already came to Montreal for uh, a few times for shows. 
they also collaborated with um, with uh, video videographers from Montreal. So, and um, and and I, I believe that they also collaborate with uh, a few uh, local acts from Montreal. So, I feel like yeah, this is going to increase more and more. You know. And I appreciate the fact that you're sharing some specifics on some of those collaborations because I think a lot of those collaborations are happening at a, you know, between collectives and between artists and at an individual level. We don't always all know about them. Sometimes you see a project and not even realize that it is this intercity collaboration happening, but um, it's important to highlight where that is happening. Um, from from the perspective of someone who, you know, you said like you spent every two months you're you were out in Toronto, and um, you know for like two weeks, and really you know for the last since 2018 been putting a focus on spending time. I wonder like what is your thought on the way Toronto is seeing Montreal. I think that uh, Toronto um, still underestimates Montreal, mm. you know? But um, how can I say that? I feel like um, Toronto has um, identified a few Montreal acts that they think are cool or, or, or marketable or, you know, mm-hmm. or that have uh, some traction, you know? Um, but um, I feel like it's it's because the the metric that is being used is really the hype, you know, around those names. You know, um, of course, High Classified is a an amazing artist, you know, and uh, a dope producer, you know, and uh, um, <laughs> mm. he he he's actually not shining as much as he should, you know considering uh, his resume, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, uh, Kitranada is uh, who he is, yeah, you yeah. know? Uh, uh, now, you know, he's incomparable. He's up there, you know? Um, you have a few others. You have the, the Arcade Fire, you know, the the, the Shelia, you know? You're saying uh, Dirt Work who, now and... You know, journal nominated. You know, uh, uh, Sokan, uh, uh, breakout of artist of the year in 2020. You know, so you have all those accolades, but I feel like we have an, a huge number of uh, of, uh, of names that don't get enough recognition mm-hmm. from outside. Um, I'm thinking of names like uh, Zach Zoya. Mm. You know. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, of people like uh, Zena, you know, Kalitechni. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I was about to mention Backlash, but uh, Backlash, uh, uh, she has been receiving some some love since last year. So yeah, Pol- I got but, the Polaris, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. You know, um, or um, basically, there is a, a whole alternative. Um, R&B scene here in Montreal that just simply does not get any recognition. And it has to do with something very peculiar that is a specificity of Quebec. It's as a genre, R&B is not recognized by the disc. Mm. 
you realize what that means. No, break it down. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically as if uh, the, the 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 guild the guild of uh, artists of Ontario, you know, of music artists of Ontario, uh, was not to recognize the the the, the R and B as a music genre. Mm. So and because of that, because this is an association, you know, of uh, all the labels and all music institution of Quebec, you know, this makes it so basically there is literally no incentive, you know, for uh, for people outside of Ontario to even uh, outside of Quebec, sorry, to even consider, you know, uh, R and B acts uh, from the city or from Quebec, mm. and uh, same thing from uh, from uh, from local labels. Why would they even consider putting money in R&B when the association that represents all of them don't recognize that genre? It's interesting because when you talk about like both Montreal and Toronto in terms of where the concentration of the most interesting music, the most like cutting edge sound and kind of just like the most career worthy globe worthy talent is it's r&b in both cities yep and this is why uh, it's quite challenging for uh, for montreal acts to uh, to to get out mm-hmm. you know because they first have the challenge to like if whether they speak english or french like the the they cannot really operate at the local level because at the local level, the, the genre of music is not recognized, you mm-hmm. know? So, which means what? Which means that if you sing in English or write in English, um, the next door, the next entry in the industry for you to be considered seriously is Toronto. But then it means what? It means that in the line, you have to then try to skip the line and skip somebody from Toronto. You know, and that's why also most of the time, um, I believe, you know, it has happened that um, um, people from Toronto have, have been giving some sort of cold shoulder, you know, to, uh, to actual Montreal, you know. And I feel like this is also the reason why I, I tell um, a Canadian artist, I understand why most of you, uh, feel like you have to move out from Montreal to uh, actually have a chance uh, on Montreal or Toronto or move out to Canada and go to the States or whatever and not actually have a chance to uh, to have a career. But then when you do that, you go and end up competing at the local level with local people. Mm-hmm. You know, who grew up there, who built relationships there, you know, who built a network there already, you know. And it's tougher. Yeah, that that's a that's a really interesting point because, you know, there there are a number of artists, and I think L.A. right now in particular is is the destination that like if if it's not if if you're not getting the results you want to see here, you know, that's where you go. But um, once you get out there, it's it's not a straight path, and it's not, you know, like it's not just about. Uh, how talented you are or how valuable the music you're creating is there's back to what you said you know and i think a lot of people allude to this is 
the relationship side is so big too. Um, but but yeah, I think but, that point's also really important because to, to another question I have, which is around possibility, you know, and what what do you think becomes possible with the idea of Montreal and Toronto like truly connected as a music ecosystem, a thriving music ecosystem where, you know, on the levels of the infrastructure, levels of management, venues, um, digital platforms, artists, producers, that these two cities are really interconnected. What becomes possible in your mind? Like what becomes possible is, for example, okay, I'm going to try. The, the example is easier to uh, to give if we think in terms of publishing, mm -hmm. right? So, like the historically historically speaking, the the first market for for the French Quebecers is, is France. You know, uh, what happened is that uh, uh, when I was working as a music publisher with with, uh, with, uh, with the French with the French people, I used to get a lot of the 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 labels um, album pitch, right? So basically, uh, in the first quarter, I was getting all the publishing pitch. So basically, everything that those labels wanted for so and so artists, in terms of music, songwriting, top lining, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, but my reflex was to always try to plug. Uh, uh, producers and top liners from Quebec, you know. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if in the case uh, where the example that you give was to actually happen, it would be amazing. Why? Because an ANR for, from from Montreal can now tap in in the pool of um, producers, you know, uh, from from Toronto, uh, organize a songwriting camp here in Montreal for a French writer, you know? And I don't know what that type of thing don't happen yet. Why? Because I know that type of things happen in Toronto for American artists, you know? Um, uh, Princess Nokia, uh, Carl B, um, uh, Kelani, you know? They all have uh, people from Toronto uh, who end up doing writing camps in Toronto for their projects. Right. You know, so and so that that ability to outsource and to to build new bridges and to to develop new interesting catalog for Canadian songwriters, this is something that I believe if the two cities were to 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 cooperate more, it will be amazing. I'm also going to tell you why, because uh, I have a few friends in Toronto like amazing writers, songwriters and producers, uh, like uh, um, uh, a guy like, for example, Auguste Rigaud, you know, um, who is writing, who has credit for uh, Chris Brown, BTS, all that, all that. But one thing that I've noticed is that you rarely have um, producers or songwriters from Toronto who have credits on either the UK markets or the French market, mm. and and I, but but they're going to have credits on uh, on Korean artists. How 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, how crazy that is. And, and are you leading to the idea of just the, the way that the connection to Europe and Montreal is so much yes. stronger? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, that's, like, that's uh, important. That's, that's literally the, the thank you, because that's exactly the point that I was trying to make. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a strong connection to, uh, to the European roots here in Montreal, especially with the French market. Um, you have a lot prior to the pandemic, you had a lot, a lot, a lot of French artists who were coming to, uh, to Montreal to, uh, to shoot videos, to use the, to use the studios, all that, you know, mm. uh, just last week, just last week, we all learned that, uh, uh, a number one artist band, um, the name of which is uh, PNL, you know, uh, that they are in Montreal working on the, on their album, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Waka Floka, he's in Montreal right now working on music, you know. And that's another that's another opportunity, you know, for Toronto artists. If there was much more cooperation with the city, but that's not that's also not really the responsibility of Toronto. Montreal has to develop itself as a music hub. Like a destination. Yeah. To the, yes. Make it clear what that it's a destination and why it is. Like in the sense that Montreal has a lot of um, potential, you know? Mm-hmm. But what we really need to build up here in Montreal is the city as an established music hub. So for that to happen, what do we need? We need, first of all, we need a little bit more heroes. So we need a little bit more successful artists, you know? Yeah. But for that to, for that to happen, we also need a little bit more of the, yeah, the OGs, you know, uh, to start making a few moves toward the community. You know, you know what's you know? interesting because when you say that is that you know, you, you were sharing that point earlier about the importance of the, um, I think you called it vertical, vertical mentorship and that kind of yes. intergenerational mentorship. And when I look at the Toronto context, some of the artists of, of this current generation that are really navigating things in the most successful way, when you look at their teams and you look at their camps, it's they have people that yeah. were a part of previous generations in the music you know, exactly. and, and I think of, there's an interesting story. We had, you know, uh, a friend of mine and, um, a producer from grassroots, uh, who passed away, um, Swift Larock. He mm-hmm. did this great interview, um, where he was talking about how he learned music production it was literally like, he just got the machine for, you know, went out to see his family in New York, got whatever he was producing on and figured it out himself. And later learned that he was kind of doing things like the long way. You know, there were a lot of shortcuts and stuff that he didn't figure out himself. That same generation, you have Pete Rock, who grew up in the studio, like was at, like, I think he was 13 years old, in Marley Marl's studio. Wow. You know, and then Marley Marl obviously was around and exposed to, like, the very burgeoning and, and beginnings and birth of hip-hop. So that's, like, three generations 
you know, you, in, so when you go back and listen to Pete Rock and you, and you listen to the contemporary producers of Toronto at that time, right? It's like th- th- you have Swift, Swift, who was basically a first generation producer. He wasn't having people really mentoring him, showing him how to do things. At the same time, Pete Rock is now receiving the third generation of mentorship in this. Uh-huh. You know, and you see that in the camps in Toronto where people now of this current generation are getting that mentorship from and people who have gone through it as artists or played other roles in the industry. And also like institutions, like the Remix Project. Yeah. You know, the Remix Project and now also House. Right. And and then and we look back though, right? It's like they're they're very informed by fresh arts. Um mm-hmm. and and there's connections and learning and kind of like carrying on um some of some of that tradition as well. So that's another example, even you know, you look at it like fresh arts, remix, and then house, that's three generations of incubation. Three generations. Yes. You know, so that's that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, I, I, I can also mention the good work that the people of the post office are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I can name, I can, well, well, of course, I will have to, uh, to, to check the name, not to, not to say it wrong. But uh, I know at least 10 to 15 people who have been groomed by uh, Riley and Chris. Yeah. Yeah, they, they really do invest in talent. That, that's 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 huge, you know, and uh, they are what they are barely in their late thirties, mid thirties, uh, maximum early forties, barely. Right. You know, so um, um, that's a whole generation of people fostering the talent of other people. Yeah. You know, like the Gavin Shepherd, like the youths. You know, so I mean, here in Montreal. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have a, a generation like that um, uh, who is fostering, you know, uh, a, a generation of uh, new talent, both in terms of executives in music, you know, and in terms of uh, artists. Well, and, and to be fair, I think it's interesting that you raise that because it's like. I think there was a, a, a era in Toronto where Toronto couldn't have said that, you know, and I think that what I see coming from Montreal in terms of the talent, in terms of the sound, in terms of just energy from the city is that I think the growth is going to be really fast when it does really, really start to um, take off in, in a way that the world, is, you know, global um, audience is going to connect with. It's I think it's going to happen fast when it does. Yeah. But on, on the note of names and on the note of Montreal, just a, a different type of question for you. Mm-hmm. For someone from Toronto who wants to get familiar with Montreal, wants to get a feel for what's going on, who wants to get connected with what the sound is in the city right now, who are some people, some artists, some platforms, venues, anything where you would suggest someone get started that you would introduce them to? So... I love that question because, you know, um, I feel like I will try to give a, um, a fair description of Montreal, you know, like uh, by giving both, you know, a few names in, English, in the English market and a few names in the French market, you know, yeah. like um, 
say in terms of artists, like the the names that I feel like are worth remembering, you know, coming from Montreal right now, um, very diverse. I would say Charlotte Carda, yeah, amazing artist. Uh, I would say, uh, of course, well, I, I don't think that it's worth to uh, to mention Ketra Adal right now because he's way too big, you know. But I'm still going to say Ketra. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think there's uh, still a lot of people who haven't, as much as like his name rings and his talent is is recognized by those who really know. I still think that there's tons of people, you know, that don't know the impact that he's having. So I think true. It's, that's it's true. That's true. You know, um, I would say also, um, um, of course, uh, loud because he's the number one rapper right there, you know, by far, mm. um, a little bit of street rap. I would say the guys from the five, one, four French street rap, amazing guys. Um, if I have to name a studio that everybody loves in the community of artists, I would say, uh, to seek to seek studio that's the place to go he's an amazing he's an amazing uh, engineer he also produces and he actually had his first gold uh, record as a producer last year you know and um, I, I, it's worth mentioning because here in Quebec we don't have a lot of record going gold you know mm-hmm. so that was quite a performance um, I would say also uh, there's an amazing studio that I really like to work, to go work at. It's the studio of Cult Nation. Um, it's the same studio. It's just basically a studio of the label in which Charlotte uh, um, um, Carter is signed, Cult Nation. They have an amazing view. They have like three studios inside of the, the same floor. It's really nice. State-of-the-art gear. It's amazing. And... Um, who else? Um, I would say, of course, well, Shelia. That would be difficult not to mention, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, also, who? A good artist, Kali Techni. Yeah. I really like. Uh, I really like what she's uh, she's doing right now, and also I can tell that she's picking up pace, you know, pick up speed. So uh, I'm looking Seems forward to. Seems like there's a great team in place there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I I wish for her that. Uh, um, um, a, a power player, you know, position themselves on her project because uh, I feel like she's about to take off. You know, she needs just needs a little bit of push. You know, what um, about any um, platforms, blogs? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That people should check. Yeah, QC Culture. Yeah. You know, QC Culture. Um, they are doing something really beautiful for the community. You know, in the sense that. I feel like they are actually, they might, they might be one entity that is doing, that I could say is doing a good job building up a sense of community within the French street rap uh, musical scene here in Montreal. Yeah, I, and, I, really, I really love their platform. Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. You know, the interviews are amazing. Uh, the way that they are pushing the, the, the Montreal street culture is amazing. They actually, are, they actually are putting up a project. They actually did put out a project um, with um, a good-ass label named uh, Disc Septième Ciel, French label. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's going to be a project in two parts. I believe that the, the second part is uh, going to be released during the summer, some, some, something like that. And um, 
of course, um, at a certain point, you could not name Montreal without talking about Montreality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even though the platform might not be as influential, you know, as it used to be, because, you know, um, Curse Culture is really, really pushing forward, you know? Um, you also have uh, Music of My Sanctuary. Mm. You know, Music of My Sanctuary, that's uh, really for the great diggers. Because Montreal really is a city of producers. We have an amazing uh, um, a pool of uh, talent into the, the instrumental scene, you know, the alternative beat-making scene. Um, it's a place where you have producers like uh, Pomo, who, uh, who used to live in Vancouver, you know, who moved to Montreal and actually exploded here because of the DJ and beat-making scene. So Music is My Sanctuary um, is a blog, platform, um, interview, uh, website um, that is run by uh, Alexi from Music is My Sanctuary. And uh, I really, really, really recommend mm. for all the crate diggers, you know, like the DJs, the, the people who listen to, uh, to uh, lo-fi, that's the place to go. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot there that you've shared. And what I love about that this question is just that, you know, you people can follow each of those trails that you kind of laid out for them and discover so much more. So you've given an amazing um, starting point for, for a lot oh, of people to, to check, check out what's going on in Montreal. Um, to shift the conversation again, I want to ask this from a very like individual level. What is the biggest shift that could happen in the relationship between Montreal and Toronto that would benefit you the most in the work that you do? I feel like um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. What could happen? Hmm. I feel like, you know, like, uh, let's say that uh, uh, one of the, the big three, you know, one of those big three majors, <coughs> sorry, um, was to uh, want to open a, a, a new imprint, um, uh, the goal of which will be to revive, you know, the, 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 the music scene, you know, of Montreal when it comes to the, 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 the when it comes to rap and, uh, and, uh, and R&B in French. And if they were to be looking for uh, somebody to run this, I mean, <laughs> I will definitely apply. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see that. It makes sense. And that's super specific. And uh, you, I think you nailed the question. Um, now I want to flip the same question on the other side of the coin, which is um, what is it that you individually think you could contribute to strengthening this relationship between Montreal and Toronto? The trust, you know, I feel like uh, there is a little bit of mistrust between, uh, between Toronto and, uh, and Montreal. And uh, I believe that um, um, me and the team we managed to uh, to to build um, um, trust, you know, uh, between uh, the the strategic actors, you know, of the music industry in Toronto, 
<clears throat> and um, I believe that, um, yeah, like I could help, you know, with uh, instilling some more uh, trust between the local acts, you know, and uh, and, uh, and the acts from Toronto. Because the thing is, if I have to put myself in the shoes of uh, Toronto Act, it makes sense for them, you know, to collaborate with uh, people from the U.S. because they understand how, you know, the U.S. market is going to be profitable for them. But the thing is, when they look at acts from Montreal, they just don't understand how that relationship could benefit them. You know, um, uh, where is that music going to go? What brand is going to want to uh, to put some coins behind it to support the music video of that song? You know, in terms of publishing, is it going to be is it going to be played on the radio? If so, which radio in Quebec is supporting, you know, uh, rap or R&B? None. So the challenge is going to be about teaching new ways to Montreal acts, you know, to uh, to create revenue for their IP. And when they do that, that's when also people from outside of the city, outside of the the, the outside of Quebec are going to look at them as uh, opportunities. Yeah. Well, that's a really and interesting point. And I think that like surfacing that, that point about infrastructure, you know, it's like you can, you mm -hmm. can collaborate, but what infrastructure exists to support that collaboration between the support cities. Support that collaboration, yes, exactly. And and um, yeah. I mean, speaking of infrastructure and just collaboration, I wonder if you could share a little bit about um, Advance and your connection to that work that's being done, which has been uh, pretty phenomenal. Yes, Advance is really amazing. And um, I have to... Uh, to give a huge shout out to three people whenever I speak about advance, I have to give a shout out to Vivian Barkley, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Miro Bala and even Ashley, who are the founders, the three co-founders of, uh, of the, of the, of the organization. And, um, really it's an organization that, uh, is barely a year old, you know, and uh, during that one year, um, a lot of work has been done and, uh, the, the the epitome of that work, I believe, for, for me, happened in two times. It happened in, uh, uh, when uh, the, the the organization managed to uh, to to raise a, a, a budget from the city of Toronto. I think it was around like two or three million of dollars. You know, uh, that's super huge. Which managed, which which in turn make it possible, you know, for the the organization to have operational, you know, budget. And that's just huge. Also, in terms of uh, recognition from the city and from uh, um, from from uh, Ontario, it, it 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 basically made us all feel seen. You know. Can you talk about the mandate? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, the mandate is, in a few words, the mission is to make it. So uh, uh, all the companies that pledged, you know, to uh, to uh, to bring more visibility to uh, to BLM, to uh, to to change also their ways in terms of uh, how 
the copyrights of uh, black creators, writers, songwriters, artists is being consumed um, and marketed uh, also um, in terms of uh, representation um, in the offices of those labels, majors, you know, publishing companies, you know. Um, the goal is to, to make it so we have way more visibility of black and brown uh, um, uh, music executives within the Canadian music industry ecosystem, but also to ensure that, you know, uh, black creators have fair deals, you know, or at least a fair chance at uh, having a shot at those careers. Yeah. I think that the, the layers from conversations, convening of conversations, the um, work that's being done in, on the infrastructure side, on the behind the scenes and representation in organizations and the policy side, it's, it's just really looking at every aspect of um, addressing how black artists and black music and the executives and managers and people working in the industry are really needing to get that proper reflection of their contribution and proper opportunity in the industry here. So I think it's it's important to mention that. And, and it's cool that there is some connection between Montreal and Toronto in that. Absolutely, yeah. No, the connection between the two cities is going to is going to grow. You know, I uh, like I said, huh? I I really see it happening. It's uh, yes, also it's slow, you know, but um, um, also I think it got kind of hindered by the pandemic. Mm. You know, I uh, I really think that as outside op outside opens back. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I, th I think so. And, and it's interesting because no matter who you talk to, when you talk about the relationship between these two cities, everyone is eventually gonna say, just go out there. You know, if you're from Toronto, yeah. go spend some time in Montreal. If you're from Montreal, go spend some time in Toronto. And that hasn't been possible. I mean, I think it's just this today, if not this week, that um the um restriction between um, travel in Montreal, non-essential travel in Montreal, sorry, for non-essential travel between Quebec and Ontario was lifted. So, you know, it, it definitely was, definitely was inhibited. Um, but that said, you know, I think there's a lot of energy moving in that direction and an even deeper desire to make that connection, which really leads me to my final question for you, which is, you know, we've been talking about this relationship, not just for a while now, um, in terms of minutes, you know, in this current conversation, but, you know, for um, a number of months, you and I have been connecting about this. I wonder how has this conversation either, you know, shifted some of your thinking about it, energized, reinforced, reminded, like how has having this conversation impacted you? I'll say that I um, I, uh, I I I have changed my uh, my point of view, my point of observation. Sorry, you know, on uh, on Montreal also since that first conversation that we had. 
Uh, why? Because um, I also can see that um, there is a new identity of Montreal that is being built right now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like uh, the pandemic. <laughs> the pandemic actually did, if I may say it like that, eh, uh, did um, add some uh, f- positive effects. You know, on uh, on that in, in the sense that because nobody could get outside, uh, people had to consume what they had in front of them. You know. Yeah. Um, so people also had to reinvent themselves, you know, and um, I feel like, you know, um, uh, artists like, uh, um, how can I say that, artists like Skyfall, that I, that I think that I should have mentioned, but it's also a good thing that I mentioned at the end, you know, best for the end, right? <laughs> so artists like Skyfall, um, that I, I like to call him Neo, like in, in the Matrix. Why? Because... That's a guy who is mixing in his rap uh, UK grime, and uh, I feel like it's Asian compa, you know, Asian Creole, sorry, you know. Uh, you have another artist, the name of whom is uh, Rosalvo. He's mixing trap and, uh, and compa, you know, which is a, a Asian musical genre, you know. So um, the the the, the Montreal Sonic signature and Sonic identity um, is rebuilding itself. Um, artists are now happy again with the fact of claiming to be Montrealers. I feel like uh, Tetra's Grammys helped a lot, you know? Um, I feel like uh, Shelia's uh, Juno's nomination helped a lot. Uh, in the sense that, um, um, also, yeah, Skyfall, the reason why I was mentioning him is because he's still independent. He's a kid from Montreal, uh, and he landed the, the Louis Vuitton commercial with uh, Virgil Abloh. Oh, wow. And I, and, I, and I don't understand why everybody's not going crazy over him right now. Yeah, I, did, you know? I, didn't, know, I didn't know about that. That's, that's wild. And I think that really underscores the point of what you're saying, right? Which is, you know, if there's one, you know, one person that is um, known for having, you know, him and his team having a good sense of where things are going, um, Virgil Abloh is a good example of that. And I think that as that Montreal sound really starts to solidify and get launched into the world, I think it's going to have a huge impact. So... That, yeah. That's a good signal that that is closer than many of us may think. No, seriously. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm I'm I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, I, yeah. uh, I I really want to to focus mostly on the, on that feeling because I uh, I I see how things are changing. I see how. Uh, um, there is a Montreal identity that is building itself up, you know, and uh, the same way that it is a Toronto identity, there is a, there is a Toronto vernacular, you know, there is a Toronto slang, and uh, and people and, and and Toronto artists claim it when they are outside, yeah, you know, uh, which make it so. In turn, um, the kids in the other cities. When they end up admiring, you know, those those artists, they end up copying what they do. 
you know? Well, I, I, I see how the same thing is slowly happening in Montreal. And when that comes to fruition, that's also when, you know, people from Toronto are going to be like, oh shit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, 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 will, it will be cool to, to collab with uh, so-and-so. Absolutely. Yeah, that's where it's going. And not just Toronto, but you know, I think all around the world yeah. is going to be the case. And, and, we're, and we mm-hmm. see the seeds of it already. So <coughs> amazing. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time for this conversation. I appreciate how much insight and information that you bring to this. I think that you've really put yourself in physically to building the connection between cities um, and really also shining a light on what's going on in Montreal and I appreciate you for that. That's my pleasure, really. Thank you very much for thinking about me for that. Thank you for listening to this conversation and connecting with what we do through Convene. Gratitude to the team behind this series on the music ecosystem between Montreal and Toronto, Nabil Shash, Alicia Roberts, Martine Anon, and Sebastian Miller. For more resources on this conversation, go to watervision.com, watrvision.com. This project is funded by Factor, the Government of Canada, and Canada's private radio broadcasters.